Hallelujah. Well, we're going to get straight into our message uh, uh, this uh, morning. We're going to continue um, uh, this word that the Lord has given to us. Have you surrendered all? Um, there is a cost, and um, what I'm hoping that the Spirit will do through this um, message is to really highlight uh, to the church, Christians, um, that there is a cost for following Christ. Because we live in the West and you have uh, so much crazy um, uh, messages and headings, uh, grace, hyper-grace, and, and so because of the hyper-grace message, people uh, have gone into an apathetic kind of spiritual condition, and they are having the best of both worlds. They have one foot in the world and the other foot in, in church, in God. And it, you can't really do that. Um, you're doing that, but um, you, you can either, you're either in the world or you're in church. But the deception is this. Those who have one foot in the world, because they come to church and do all the churchy things, they think they're okay. And that's the deception. And as you have heard last week, the message, and we continue um, with this uh, uh, message that the Lord has given to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment and this time again that we have the privilege to break the bread of life. Your word to your people. As I stand here, Lord, please touch these lips of clay and speak through me. Lift self out of me and hide me behind the cross so that I am not seen and be glorified and magnified. Bless every one of your people, those who are listening to this message today, Lord. Bring revelation to their hearts. And we will give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' anointed name. Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. And these are the ones, continuing from last week, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. Remember, the seed that went out on various grounds, okay, of people, the ground is people's hearts. A lot of people hear the word of God, and um, there is different reactions, different reactions to those who hear the word of God. And um, so uh, this word of God uh, went out on rocky uh, ground. The one who, when they hear the word... So you know that the seed is the word. Immediately receive it with joy. Now there's some theologians that are saying that these people are not Christians. They are Christians. There are people that have given their life to Jesus Christ. But there is a difference with these various soil. The soil is your heart. The seed is the word. So this particular one, a group of people... Um, same group of people, but it's just how it's received by them, okay? 
Uh, they receive it with joy. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so this is the response uh, to the gospel, but does not take into account the cost involved. So you have received the word of God. You have received the gospel. You are born again and um, you're beginning to live for God, but you don't really take into um, mind what it's going to cost you to serve the Lord. You perhaps thinking that it's going to be a bed of roses, uh, depending on who you uh, give your life under. If you were in a church and you, you heard that come to Jesus and you know, you're going to prosper. We love all that, don't we? Yeah, you know, God wants us to prosper, but that's not the emphasis. That is not the emphasis. Come to Jesus and he's going to make you rich. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I want some of that. And some people come. Some are not really saved. Some give their life to the Lord. And, um, and it tells us um, the meaning of this, uh, that uh, they don't count the cost. Verse 17, listen to this. So it's from 16 to 17. And uh, they have no root. So, so get the picture of this type of a Christian. What is your root? Your root is your relationship with God. Let me say this to you as a Christian. Do you read your Bible? How much do you know of God? There is no root. Or are you a Sunday Christian? So you come to church, you sing your... So songs, you clap your hands, you rejoice, you shake the preacher's hands, you throw an offering. But when you leave these four walls, it's like Jesus is left in the four walls. And then you are now living your own life. Thinking that everything's going to be unkidori. And you have seen God's grace upon your life. You have seen God's blessings upon your life. So you're thinking, oh, okay, God is blessing me. And wow, I really haven't got a real relationship with him. I'm just doing my own thing. That is just God's grace. And sadly, I lived a little while <laughs> on the earth. And you can see Christians who take that grace of God for granted, it, 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 they begin to think it gives them a license. Oh, I can continue to live this loose Christian life because God has blessed me. And you know the blessings of God. You know that God has blessed you. It had nothing to do with your goodness. All his grace, and you continue to live a shallow Christian life. The church is made up of such people. There's that category of people in the church, and things are coming to shake you up. Either you will change or you won't. You can, in a church like this, you can only get better or worse as a Christian. Your relationship would either increase or decrease 
but it will be down to you what you decide. The Lord Jesus is not going to force you to serve him. You should serve him because he, you love him because of what he did. When you are losing sight of the cross, in other words, when you don't appreciate or you fail to appreciate or you fail to understand more of Jesus Christ and him crucified, this is where you just drift. The devil wants to block this from you. He wants to block what Jesus Christ, what he paid. When the Holy Spirit is shedding this in your heart, you just want to come closer to him. You want to love him. You want to obey him. You want to live for him. You want to serve him. Because you will come to the understanding by the Holy Spirit that you did not deserve. There is nothing that you could have done to deserve. We are fallen, depraved human beings. Had it not been for his grace, had it not been for his love and mercy, Lord, where would we be today? Fresh revelation of the cross. Make this the center, the pinnacle of your life, Calvary, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Holy Spirit will continue to fill you with hunger and thirst for him. Your love for him can only but increase because the desire for all of that is coming from the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in us that we will want to desire God. It is all on Christ's account. The Holy Spirit gives us the desire to love God. You think you can love God in your own human strength? Take heed when you think you stand, you fall. That's why he's in us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. You are marvelous, Lord Jesus. Let me read it again, verse 17. And they have no, uh, no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, then when tribulation or persecution arise on the account of a word, the word is Jesus Christ. Your confession, your profession as a Christian, you are a Christian. I don't agree with that. I cannot compromise with this. You will be hated. And this is where a lot of Christians get frightened. I mean, look what's happened, as I said a few moments ago, to our brothers and sisters. Well, what would take place if that type of persecution came to Britain? What's happening in China? What's happening in North Korea? And yet the church is growing. It is growing. Amazing. I think if that came here, I, I think the church would decline. We pray it doesn't come, but... It would be stupid to think otherwise. That it may come in a different way. It's going to come. It's going to happen. People will be protesting at the church of those who take 
God's point of view and not the world's point of view. Go stands for God's values and not the world or the changing culture. And that's what the church and Christians are climatizing. They're climatizing towards the culture because things are accepted which wasn't accepted 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. And so because it's accepted by mainstream government, it's as if that it is okay and God has changed his mind and you've got some of these sophisticated theologians that have a, a way to sort of twist the word of God to omit some of the things that we know that are in the word of God and God accepts everyone. They use clever words, as I mentioned last week. Oh, we must love everybody. As a Christian, and you know, you got the world preaching to us. I thought you're supposed to love everybody. And some Christians get stuck in that because they know, oh, yes, Christ says we've got to love. Yeah, but we can love people, but we don't have to love the sin. And, and they cannot comprehend that. They cannot comprehend that, that you, you are able to love the person. And so if you change it around, when you see an alcoholic do you hate that alcoholic or do you hate the alcoholism do you hate what the alcohol is doing to that person that has caused that person's marriage to be broken that has caused that person to lose their home to lose their, lose their job you don't hate the person and we, we had a, a young man some years ago in this church that uh, uh, had a very good education, um, but he was traumatized um, at home in the way that he was treated by his father. And so the, the only way he can block that for some moments was through alcohol. So he couldn't hold down a job. He had a very good job, very good salary. And so with his salary, he will go for a drink and then he will be incapacitated. He won't be able to go work, lose his job, lose the house. He's on the streets. He's here. He's delivered. He's back again. He's delivered. You look at the person. We didn't hate the person. We hated what the alcohol was doing to the person. So that's how you can love the person and hate the sin. So, so as Christians, we hate what God hates. And we love what God loves. And we can find all of this in the scriptures. You just follow the life of Jesus through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can see how Jesus dealt with the people and how Jesus dealt with sin. All those religious folks that was ready to throw, to cast a stone and stone that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought her before Jesus. Moses' law said this. What do you say? You are without sin. Wow. Cast the first stone. They never heard anything like that. They were all convicted because they were full of sin. 
from the oldest to the youngest because the oldest one had more sins. <laughs> and they all dropped the stone and began to walk away. And then Jesus was left alone with the, uh, uh, the lady there. And where are your accusers? I know, Lord. Neither do I accuse you. Now, the reason why Jesus said that, because he could accuse her. Because he was the only one without sin. But he didn't. So you can see something. And, and then he said, he didn't condone her. Huh? He didn't just says go now. He says go and what? Sin no more. You see, Jesus looked at the person. He loved the person. He looks beyond the fault of that person and see the need. We don't see the brokenness of people's life, why they do certain things. We just look at the, uh, the present uh, 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 manifestation, the present activity, uh, behavior of that person. And so we begin to judge that person. We begin to hate that person. Uh, we must ask the Lord, help us to see people through his eyes. So that we don't quickly become judgmental. Uh, I mean, we're not condoning or making excuses for what, but Jesus does look and beyond the faults of a person, and he gives grace and he shows love for the person to change. And he's able to change. And God is able to use you. As, as, as his love is poured into your heart, a lot of bitter people, a lot of resentful uh, people around who have a deep gall of bitterness, something happened in the past, and they become bitter. And, um, and some turn to the occult and secret society uh, to get back at God somehow. Um, and uh, that uh, bloke that we met on the streets was like that as he was passing uh, several times, swearing and cursing all forms of profanity coming out of his mouth. And um, I just said to him, I said, you are hurting, sir. And he just swore and cursed, went off. And then he came back, <laughs> swore, cursed. And the third time when he came back, he just stood. And the rest that were with us were around him, hugging him. And uh, he said, well, if God loves me, why did he kill my father when I was 15 years old in a car crash? So you can see his pain was losing his father at the age of 15. His father died in a car crash. The devil whispered in his ear, God killed your father. Or... They go to some a funeral, and the minister who hasn't got much sense says that, oh, God took your father. Obviously, if you're a child, you're going to be thinking, God took my I hate you. And so this man is he was a full-grown man, and, and this is why he was spewing all form of profanity. But he received us, and we were able to pray for him. All that profanity subsided. And although he was still trying to act tough, but the love of God was too much for him. It was melting his anger. And I just want to say for those who have, uh, I don't know, something happened so long ago in the past and, and a root of bitterness 
came up. When Peter said this to Simon the sorcerer, I perceive you have a gall of bitterness. Let Jesus heal you. You don't have to get involved in witchcraft. Get involved in the secret society. You're mad with God and you're mad with the church and you're out to just curse churches, curse pastors, a devil using you. My God, don't you know he's gonna, the devil's going to punish you? The same devil that is using you for his glory is going to torment you in the flames of hell. You will roast in hell. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And so tribulation, persecution arises on the account of the word. Immediately, that person falls. So what the Lord wants us to understand through this, those who are living a shallow Christian life, you're coming to church, but you're not really living full out for God. You're not really surrendered all. You've had an experience of God's wonderful grace, but you're really, if you're honest, you're living for yourself. Now, watch out. As the scripture says, uh, tribulation, persecution, in some way or the other, you are going to encounter. And because there is no spiritual root, and you know those trees or plants, uh, seeds that are planted on the surface of a soil, it gets the water and it begins to pop out. But as soon as there's a prolong of sunshine, that seedling that is growing, become, it just dies because the roots are exposed. It, it didn't go deep into the earth. How deep is your relationship with God? Because persecution is coming. Things are not going to get better. You may be having a time of your life right now, a, a hunky-dory Christian life, whatever, a, a sort of a, you just treat everything as blasé, and, and, but things are going to uh, uh, change suddenly. You know, just like we, when the the lockdown took place. It was like a sudden thing. We knew of COVID. We saw it in our backyard. We saw it in Italy. We saw it in other European countries and the devastation that it was come, causing. We heard and we knew it was also in our nation, but we could never have perceived that we would have gone under a lockdown. It was a shock to the system. Everybody's routine was turned upside down. Is this really happening? And then you knew what it was like lining up. Then there was a crazy <laughs> uh, thing for toilet paper. <laughs> uh, suddenly, listen, please understand, this is how the next thing is going to happen to the church. And if there is no root in God, if you are a compromising, shallow, apathetic Christian, 
There is no way you will stand. The Bible says that you will fall. And, and there's quite a number of Christians that fell during the lockdown. They didn't know what to do with themselves because they, everything that they saw of God was within the four walls of a church. They had no one-to-one relationship. They couldn't pray. They had roles in churches and duties and that was locked down. All their Christian, Christian understanding was in the four walls of a building. The four walls of the, this is not this is not a church. You are the church. Okay? This is a building which we gather that has been consecrated to the Lord for worship of the brethren coming together. But these four walls within this place is not the church. And some people don't have that understanding. And so lockdown caused a good number of people to fall away. There's something else coming, church. It's going to be worse than COVID-19. Was it 19? It's going to be worse. It's going to grow progressively worse. And, and, and laws that are coming against Christians, that you cannot say this, you cannot say that. Jobs that you have, you're going to have to agree to certain things. If you have no roots, if there's no relationship, of course you're going to bow. Listen, if you don't know God, you will, you will bow. It's like dying for someone that you don't know. No, I'm not going to die for him. I, I don't know him. I don't know her. Many are professing Jesus Christ, but they don't know him. So when push comes to shove, they will deny him. They will quickly compromise and bow because those are the ones who have a form of godliness. A form a cosmetic outshowing of Christianity. But inwardly, there is no root in God. So when tribulation and persecution arise, they bow out. You won't see them. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Another place where we saw this, where we, we were on a cruise and um, we stopped off at these, the British Virgin Islands. And the British, the, the, uh, the boat stopped off at the, uh, at the island. And a few days before, or a week before, they, a hurricane hit that place. And literally devastated. So it was on a Sunday. So when they stopped up on a Sunday, we thought, wow, let's go and try and find a church. Let's go. We're going to go and try and find a church. And we were walking, we were walking, and we were listening. Just trying to listen to the sound of worship coming from anywhere. So we can be in that church uh, on a Sunday. And we found a church. It, it was a Pentecostal church. It was using a Baptist church because their church had been devastated by the hurricane. And it was interesting because afterwards we got to talk with the pastor to find out what happened. He says, our congregation used to be much more than this. He says, you would not believe it when the hurricane come, some of the Christians act worse than the non-Christians. Because remember, there was no water. 
It was devastated. It was it really devastated the island. And there was no petrol. People had to believe God. They were telling us when they were driving their cars, they just believed God and the car just kept on going. They were full up the car with petrol and they just kept on praying because there was no petrol. Everything was limited. Food, water. And those Christians that had no root in themselves fell away straight away. Mad with God. And they behave far worse than some of the non-believers, we were told. You see, something like that, that comes suddenly, unexpected, unexpected. And things uh, uh, will come unexpected, like we read with Brother Job. Unexpected, unexplained adversity. Unexpected unexplained adversity. Remember the message that the Lord had me to bring for several weeks? That's the title of it. It's in the archive. And so when those things happen, if you have no root, you're not going to turn to God. You probably end up blaming God, getting mad with God because your house is gone. Everything that you have is devastated. Would that be you? You're just going to ask yourself the question. Are you really living for God or not? Is your Christian life superficial or is it real? You say you love God with your mouth, but your heart, where is your heart? Many are saying, Lord, I love you, but their heart is far from him. Some people are zoned out when they come to church. Their, 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 their body is there, their minds, their hearts are somewhere else. Oh, I don't like this message. It's the truth. You're hearing the truth, church. You're hearing the word of God. This is the spirit of God speaking out of me to let you see a reality that there is coming tribulation and persecution and it's going to be unexpected and unexplained. And if you have no proper root in yourself, you're going to fall away. You're going to fall straight away. And so um, difficult Difficulties and troubles of life, and, and, uh, but uh, specifically the suffering uh, of trials and persecution. Uh, that's what um, this whole thing is talking about in verse uh, uh, 17. So this is interesting. So uh, to, to, to fall, uh, uh, from the Greek word in English, uh, means to cause, look at some of the words here, to cause offense. Do people leave church because of offense? They didn't expect it, but it happened. And it happened in all different ways. This is what, so offense. Uh, uh, from which comes the English word, scandalize. If somebody scandalized your name as your name, as your reputation being scandalized. If you were being scandalized, slandered, what would happen? It's amazing what will come up of us. The flesh will start rising, temper, even start swearing. 
All those meanings are appropriate since the person falls away when their faith is put to the test. When your faith is being put to the test, what's your response? How is your behavior? How is your attitude? Has your faith really been put to the test? It will go through tests to see how genuine you are. God allows that. And when we begin to act unchristian-like and we realize and we feel bad, don't brush it under the carpet. Go before the Lord and profusely repent and ask God for grace. Never go into denial. Be brutally honest with yourself. I've blown this one again, Lord. I have failed again. Lord, have mercy. Help me, Lord. Help me. The Holy Spirit will help you. He's a helper. Hallelujah. Listen, he's not there standing with a club ready to hammer you. You feel, you obviously, you feel condemned. That condemnation is not coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you have some issues in your past where you felt rejected and, and keep feeling condemned and you are being condemned for everything. And so now... Uh, when you slip up, you made a mistake uh, in your Christian life, you sin, and straight away you're going to feel that condemnation. That's the devil coming from your past, heaping up that vomit all over you of condemnation. But you must realize it's not coming from heaven. God doesn't condemn you. Condemns his sin, and he just wants us to acknowledge that. Acknowledge when you slip up. Acknowledge when you made a mistake. Don't pretend, and don't subscribe to that hyper grace rubbish. That is okay. You're under grace. It's okay. You're under grace. Although it gives you a license to continue to do wrong, just repent, and God and realize when that thing keeps on coming back because you may need to deal with that more. You've got to get yourself rooted in the Word of God. Again, it all reverts back to the cross. It's how do you see the cross? All that, what happened to Jesus was for you, was for your freedom was for your forgiveness, was for your deliverance, was for your wholeness, was for your soundness. All of that that took place. So you don't have to walk in that condemnation, guilt, and fear anymore. As you look, looking unto Jesus, amen, who is the author and finisher of your faith, those things begin to melt away. The grip that the devil had on you through your past, it begins to dissipate, diminish as you look to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is giving you a revelation on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The yoke is broken. The past is broken. The devil can no longer use your past against 
you because you know, listen, though you make mistakes and though you fall, Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. Why? I can't understand that. He just does. Just by faith receive it. How? Just begin to thank him. I thank you, Lord, that you love me, but I don't feel anything. Keep on thanking him. I thank you, Lord, that you love me. I am loved. I am much loved by you. It's true. It's true. You are loved by Jesus. With all your faults and warts and all. Hallelujah. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were good. Not because we were good. While we were still messed up in sin, filthy in sin, Jesus still went to the cross. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Those of you that suffer with guilt, condemnation, shame, receive this please. And don't stand for that devil. Devil means slander. Slander. So you're going to be slandered. Oh Lord. Anybody getting anything? Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome. You are awesome. And so, uh, scandalize all those meanings are appropriate. Uh, since the person falls away when his faith is being put to the test. Listen to this. In Jesus' earthly ministry, there came a time when the food that he multiplied, and he did it twice. And so as a result of multiplying just a handful of loaves and uh, fish, he gained a great following. And if you're in a, a country where there is often famine, and someone comes along, breaks, <laughs> gets... What, uh, three loaves and two fish? What's it? Three loaves, five loaves and two fish. And feeds well over 5,000. There's your answer for famine. We're going to make this guy king. We're going to stick around this guy. So you can see there was a lot of people following him because of the miracles. Because of the fish and the bread. Because what they can get. Okay, but look at this. But the public stopped. A lot of the public, the majority of public stopped following him when the food stopped. And their opinions got very ugly of Jesus when he laid down the rule unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part with me unless you take me whole unless you listen accept everything that I say in my word, 
Not just a part. You're not just being selective. You've got these selective Christians. Okay, I'll I, I go with that. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I'll go with that. I don't know unless you eat all my flesh and drink all my blood. Unless you take me whole, receive everything. You have no part. You're not my disciple. That's straight. That's clear. Not this foolish Christianity that we're seeing in many churches today. The jeering crowd, cheering crowd became a jeering crowd. And Jesus knew ahead of time what would happen to him. Wow, let me just, Luke chapter 14 and verse 33. Luke chapter 14 and verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is a tall order. All Look at this example. When a builder doesn't count the cost or figure it, or he figures it inaccurately, his building may be left half completed. Will our Christian life be only half built? And then abandon because you did not count the cost of commitment to Jesus. What are those costs? A Christian may face loss of social status or wealth. He may have to give up control over their money, over their time over their career, you may be hated, separated from your family, or even put to death. Following Christ does not mean a trouble-free life. If you think you would avoid or miss trouble... That is not the Christianity of the Bible. I reiterate again. Look at our brothers and sisters across the seas. Who are facing grave persecution. And the church is growing. Wow, wow, wow. It purges the church really. That type of... uh, persecution because you're going to get those who are truly real. Those churches in China, they've got cameras outside there as well. That's the state church. The state church. Cameras outside. And the true Christians, they can't go anywhere. They cannot go anywhere. They've got this, like, this Asbo thing. And uh, being a Christian... And so you get certain privileges taken away from you. You cannot travel across places. You cannot even travel out of the country. 
How would you take that? Oh, my Lord. He may have to give up control over all these areas. So becoming Christ's disciples, do you know what you have got yourself involved with? If you don't read your Bible or you read your Bible but you see abstract, you see, okay, Jesus says, uh, Matthew chapter 5, um, blessed are you when men persecute you and say all manner of things against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So you see that and you're thinking, but you don't see yourself in that. You don't see that happening to you. It's somehow abstract. No, that's not me. So when it now happens, you are shaken. You are disturbed. And all kinds of crazy emotion begins to go on in your life. Your prayer life that you were strong in has now diminished. Your word life that you were reading has now diminished. Because you have been shaken by something that Christ said is going to happen, but you did not believe it would happen to you. Oh, it would happen to the next person, but it won't happen to me. When you read the Gospels, Jesus is showing us what proper Christianity is. It is not for what we read 2,000 years ago. It is not just for China or North Korea or those in North Africa or the Middle East. It is not a trouble-free life. Now, I wanted to get to this part, okay? Because um, there are some, there's been some great missionaries that left the shores of the United Kingdom in the 18, late 1800s and affected uh, the world that they went to. And um, Charles... Thomas Studd, known as C.T. Studd, a great uh, British uh, uh, missionary, um, born in 1860, uh, a famous English uh, cricketer who rose to fame as a cricketer um, in 1883. Um, England is hit now with um, cricket fever and CT studies right up there in his cricket. Gone to Australia, this where they got the ashes and all that. I uh, don't know too much about cricket, but uh, you hear about the ashes, right? Okay, this is this guy, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, slaughtered Australia back then and wrote back the ashes and wow. Uh, that was um, a, a big thing. So he was well-known. He was uh, famous. He was wealthy. Well, he got the call in. And you talk about the title of this message, you know, Surrendering Hall. He literally surrendered everything to the Lord. He and a group of young men uh, went to, around to the uh, top universities, Cambridge and others, and revival broke out. I believe these things must happen again. And then he had a calling um, over 
uh, seized where he just gave all of his wealth to the uh, 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 mission uh, work. One man at the center of a battle is Charles uh, Studd. This is in his uh, cricket uh, time. Twice awarded uh, best England cricketer all around. And in 1884, he shocked the nation that he loved. He made a decision, but would not only uh, transform his life, but the lives of countless millions across three continents, China, India, and Africa. And uh, I mean, you can look him up and you can read a lot more about, I'm, I'm just taken back by him and some others that didn't know too much of. I heard of Charles Studd some years ago and just looking at the work and what he did in the light of, of uh, looking at and studying for this um, uh, message. But I want to read you now a, a, a few quotes uh, from uh, Charles T.D. Studd, uh, C.T. Studd, okay? So he said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus died for me. What sacrifice do you count as too big that you won't make for Christ? Have you truly surrendered all? Listen to this next quote from him. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel's bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. My word, the tenacity. Oh my God, a rescue place. In a shot of hell, where hell is breaking loose. This is CT stud. Oh my gosh. And, and uh, as I, I grew up in church and obviously didn't accept Christ and went into the world. But one of the things, and I came back obviously, Lord, and one of the things that I used to hear, I used to hear a quote. I never knew where it came from. And now I know it came from Charles Studd's. And listen to this, it's, 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 the, um, it's the latter part uh, of this. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burden, hopes and fears, but only what's done for Christ. Will last. That's the quote that I grew up hearing. Only what's done for Christ will last. And this was Charles T. Studd that um, made that uh, statement. And his life, he lived that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh Lord, you read, I'm reading some of his and other 
quotes of and missionaries, and I'm thinking, you feel like you're backslidden. <laughs> you're thinking, Lord, give us the grace. Give us the grace to, to, to live this type of life for you. If you called us to live this life, Lord, we can't do it of our human ability. It's impossible. Only by his spirit uh, uh, can we uh, 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 live uh, uh, such a life. Wow. Uh, let me skip that one. Let me look at uh, David Livingston, one of the greatest British missionaries, um, again in the 1800s. Um, uh, uh, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Oh, you don't know what I've sacrificed. He said, how can you, in the light of the King of Kings and, and what he did for you on the cross? Wow. Last scripture, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what do we gather by this? God hates a certain type of love. Love of the world. Love here signifies affection and devotion. God, not the world, must have a first place in the Christian's life. Do your actions reflect the world's values or God's values? Do your life, your action, what does it reflect? Is it God's values? Is it the world's values? You can't have the two. You love this world. You're devoted. You have devotion to this world. The things of this world. Behind the world, obviously, is Lucifer. The Bible says he's a god of this world system. He's behind it. He's busy uh, in the marine kingdom, always inventing stuff to distract the, the Christians. You need this, you want this, you can have this. Oh, and you're just chasing the wind and you're never satisfied. Miserable life. Depressed because you wouldn't involve yourself in an initiation. And now you have these demons that are oppressing you, tormenting you. You don't get anything free from the devil. You get these pretty toys and stuff, but you're going to get a demon that is going to be on your back, tormenting you, oppressing you. You're miserable. You think the devil loves you? He hates you because you are a human being that Jesus Christ died for on the cross. That's why he hates you. Because Jesus Christ didn't come and die for him to give him a second chance. When Lucifer fell, that was it. His fate is sealed. You felt Jesus Christ came and died for you. You know how mad that makes Satan? 
at you as a human being and then some are serving him? What do you think he's going to do when you die, when your breath leaves your body? You may not even get the chance to say, Lord, forgive me. You're taken to hell in chains. There's a pit already made for you in hell. And those demons are going to be around you, slicing you up, skinning you alive. And you're going to feel all of that pain forever. And it's just going to go on again. And this cycle will go on. Some will be in flames. Your flesh come off you. You'll be screaming. Then your flesh comes back on. And then it's burned off forever. Forever. See, Jesus paid the price that this doesn't have to happen. He paid the price. And people want that. Satan used this evil world system to entice, entice the flesh. Number two, Satan used the eye as a strategic avenue to entice wrong desire, materialism, cravings, and accumulating things. What does it profit you to have a wardrobe filled of the best designer clothes? Nice car, big house, holiday when you want it, money in the bank, but you are miserable. No true joy. You have to now turn to some drugs and get high just to escape. And then that demon comes that you have sold your soul to and it's oppressing you, depressing you. That spirit hates you so much. Though you conjure that spirit and listen to advice and send out curses, that spirit cannot wait to drag your soul into hell. I'm going to stop here. Have you surrendered all to Jesus? Have you surrendered all? This is not supposed to be a mediocre Christian life. Your life may be like that. God is not condemning you. He just wants you to know, listen, there is something greater that is coming. But if you haven't got any solid root, or if you don't love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, then the problems of life, the trials and the persecution will cause you to fall away. And he doesn't want you falling away. He loves you. He wants you to be strong in him and in the power of his might. Not your might. He gives you the might. He gives you the strength. And he says, here am I, Lord. Let's bow our heads. He's here. We welcome you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you will take off chains around people in this place. There are chains binding people. I take authority over those chains of darkness. And I break them in the name of Jesus. Lord, set people free. 
Set people free, Lord. Worldly chains. Worldly chains. Be broken in the name of Jesus Christ right now. I disable the powers of darkness oppressing people's lives. Those who have opened themselves to the dark side. Father, I pray for your mercy and your grace. Give them a revelation of the cross. How you bled, suffered, and died for them. So that they might have life. And have life more abundantly. So that they would renounce and repent of the evil involvement in the occult. Before their breath is taken from their bodies. And then it's too late. Father. In your mercy, please save those belonging to secret societies. Deep in witchcraft and sorcery and divination. The hurt they have caused and the misery they have caused to so many. Yet, Lord, your grace is greater than their sins. And they will be completely forgiven. Jesus, show them the cross. Let them see the cross. Where you died for them. Let them see you taking all their depravity, all their iniquities, sins and transgressions and trespasses in your own body and offering them salvation, forgiveness, Freedom through your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the light of this message, Lord, I pray that you help us to surrender all where we've been holding back, not really living for you, living for our selfish self. Forgive us. We repent of that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you help us to turn over a new leaf, a new page, and that you will plant the desire in us to chase after you, to seek you while you may be found, to call upon you while you're near. In Jesus' name. Amen.